Hey, it's Wolf. How important is it that the Phoenix Suns secure a win over the Atlanta Hawks? We'll tell you tomorrow at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. All right, so pulling back the curtain here on the Burns and Gambo show, there was a furious text thread last night at halftime of that game between you, me, Mitch, and Lauren. Lauren shaking her head because I don't don't think she got in on it. I think she was just a passive observer of it. But uh, I started with Mitch, who apparently was watching the halftime show on ABC. Is anybody watching this? Is anybody watching this? They're talking about the Suns needing a point guard. Then you chime in, and you rewind it, and you held your phone up to the TV. I held my phone up to the TV, yes. So we could get the sound and everything, Mm -hmm. and everybody was texting each other furiously to make sure that we could get this sound of Bob Myers, Kendrick Perkins, and Michael Wilbon, because they were having a conversation at halftime in the national broadcast of the Suns' lack of a point guard and how they need one. And Michael Wilbon saying they need a point guard, they need one right now. A classic, traditional point guard. Of course, they gave up one. And I understand why they did that with Chris Paul, but they need somebody to organize them now. Bob Myers, former general manager of the Golden State Warriors. Does Phoenix need a game manager? Do they have to establish some kind of order here? And how are they going to do it? Who does it? Well, that's the question. Because this team is great, super talented, but but Beal gets four shots. He's got four points. So that's the question. Right? Do they need somebody to orchestrate? <laughs> I, get, I get such a kick out of this because does, does anybody ever bring up who are they going to get? <laughs> like nobody ever they need this they need, nobody says who they're going to get there's, there's nobody available for them they have a very limited trade opportunities they're not getting any of the best point they like who are they going to get like everybody get? says this I, I think it's a garbage take I really do I think it's a garbage take I mean nobody ever brings up who are you going to get who are you going to get well, I think they need this I think they need that I think that well how are they going to get that who are they going to get I, is there somebody out there that's saying you know, listen here's what they need to do they need to do this 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 and this and get that guy nobody ever says that they just need a point guard. It's like the easiest cop out in the world to just, hey, we're going to talk about the Suns. What do they need? Oh, they need a point guard. But nobody ever says who they're going to get. Mitch in my ear said, oh, you want a garbage take? Play the next one. I'm like, all right, I'll play this one from Kendrick Perkins. They do. They do. And you could tell Bradley Bill is still frustrated. His body language is horrible in this game. He was the last one to walk off the floor. But look at these players right here. Watch him just stand around. Look. It's like he's not engaged in this. And look, as soon as Booker take the shot, he just backs on up. He'll go another play, right? Not involved with anything. Look, you can just tell, like, his body language is like, okay, I'm not involved. He had four shot attempts in the first half, and I argued with Richard at the beginning of the season, and I hate to say it, he was so right. They need a damn point goal. You know what's so crazy about that Kendrick Perkins uh, tape? Yeah. I, could do, I could say the same thing about Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Mikael Bridges, or any other player that was on the court. I could highlight two or three plays where those guys are just standing around, not engaged, not involved in the play, and I could do the same thing. Look at Devin Booker here. He's not even involved in the play. He's just standing around. He's doing nothing. That's the NBA. There's one ball and there's 10 players on the court. Not everybody's cutting and moving the entire time. Some guys are resting. They're pacing themselves. Nobody's going non-stop every second they're in the game. And there are plays that are called up, isolation plays, where a guy's going I'm going to get my breather right here. If they kick it out to me, I'll be ready. But I'm not going to go running and cutting because it doesn't call for that. It calls for an isolation. But I can do that for Kevin Durant. I can find five plays easily in any quarter where Kevin Durant's just sitting there, not engaged, waiting for the ball to come to him if it comes. And if it doesn't, he's fine. Yeah. It's a terrible take by Kendrick Perkins. It kind of reminds me of of back when like you do a 
a post game show, like in radio, you'd host, host a post game show, and somebody right. would call the post game show and say, "I think they should fire the coach," and you'd say, "Okay, well, who should they hire?" Well, I don't know. I just think they should fire the coach. Well, right? Okay. Right. Tell me who you're going to hire. Right. Tell me who's who's going to, and don't give me a name that's like pie in the sky dreamland. Give me a name. Who, right. Who's going to be the coach of the team? The idea should the Suns have a? I'd love it if the Suns had a point guard. I'd love it. I'd love it. It'd be great. It'd be great if they had a true point guard who, in certain pockets of the game, who are you gonna get? could come in a minute. But let me finish. Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? Right? Like, who, okay, how? And not a who. How? How are you going to get that guy? That's another part of the equation. You, you, who, have, how? you have no means to get this player. You don't. You've made your point. Now, I will say this about Bradley Beal and and. Dwayne Rankin wrote about this today on AZ Central, and I need to start paying more attention to this. And maybe you have, so you tell me if you have. Okay. I need to pay more attention to see if Bradley Beal has been bringing the ball up a little bit more. Yeah. And if Bradley Beal has been initiating offense a little bit more and letting Devin Booker play off the ball a little bit more. Because if they are, if they, I haven't noticed that as much. I've noticed it at times. But if it's happening then that might be Frank Vogel and Kevin Young and David Fisdale trying to figure out the point guard problem. Hey, let's take it away from Book a little bit. Let's get off Book a little bit. Let's let's try Bradley Beal with it. Let's see how we do with him bringing it up and Devin Booker playing off the ball. And let's see if that changes things a little. Not that Bradley Beal is an experienced, high-level point guard. He's not. But it also gives Devin Booker the freedom to be Devin Booker. And I need to see more and more how much more they experience with or they experiment yeah. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think there's an uptick in the amount of times that Beal brings the ball up the court and Booker doesn't. Now, you know, with that being said, it's, you know, if there are plenty of times when both guys, only one of those guys is on the court. But I've also seen a lot of initiating of the offense through Kevin Durant. Yes. So, um, so I've seen a lot of the offense initiate from Kevin Durant, depending on where he is and when he gets the ball and how they initiate it. So eventually, that ball gets to him, and it's not incumbent upon either one of the guards to have to run the play. What I, what I don't like about this conversation, besides the point that you bring up, because yeah. you're absolutely right, there's just no path to getting one. Who are you going to get? How are you going to get them? It's sort of this unspoken, implied idea, hey, you had a point guard in Chris Paul and you let him go. You had a guy who was the answer, and you let him go. I mean, that I'll play the Michael Wilbon, and I like Michael Wilbon a lot, but the, I'm going to play his cut again. A classic, traditional point guard. Of course, they gave up one, and I understand why they did that with Chris Paul, but they need somebody to organize them now. So he offers the caveat, I understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. But are, are, is there second guessing of that move now? Are, are, are people suggesting they'd be better off if they had Chris Paul on the roster right now? Because you, we know the landmines there, don't we? Listen, I think it's the it's it's the typical when you make a trade with a good player. Like you, did you weaken yourself as far as point guard? Yes, but did you strengthen yourself in other areas? Yes. I mean, Chris Paul could not be trusted to stay healthy. That's one. Okay, couldn't trust the guy as far as you could throw him. There's a lot of talk right now whether the Warriors are going to trade him or not. I don't know. Um, I, like, they ran that with Chris for a few years and decided, okay, we got to get off of this contract. They weren't going to pay him $35 million. Are they weaker at point guard? Yes, but they're stronger in other areas. So that's the thing. Like, it's not like they got stronger at point guard because they got rid of him. We talked about point book and whether it would work. And book can run the point and Bradley Beal can run the point. But it's not as it's not like having Chris Paul out there 
running your offense. It definitely is different and definitely is to take it a step back, but they're better in other areas. Alfred Payton from the Run Your Race podcast yesterday was Alfred talking Payton? about it. Remember Alfred Payton? Of course I do. He was talking about Chris Paul. This is what he said. The level of maturity and the level of knowing how to win in the fourth quarter OD, Chris, was crazy. Chris mind crazy. CP CP mind is, is like it's crazy. They're just gonna figure it out. I'm like, okay, this is how we gonna win at the end of the game. It's never I've never felt more comfortable in the fourth quarter. Like down four, up four, whatever the score was, I've never felt more comfortable because I knew we was gonna get the shot we wanted. Like whether that be Jay in the corner for or Chris hitting the midi or getting the ball to book in the spot. Like we was gonna get the shot that we wanted. Yeah. DA on the sale, whatever whatever it was, but like I, ne- I never, I had never seen nothing like that. Before. And I'm going to go back to the point we've been making on this show since I can't even remember when. Early December, mid-December. The moments when they miss the point guard the most are in the fourth quarter of these games. That's when they miss that guy. That's not Chris necessarily, although that soundbite makes it sound like I'm talking about Chris. Yeah. Just the idea of an experienced point guard in the fourth to manage the chaos a little bit and help them navigate it. I think that's when they miss that guy. But again, there's no path. There's there's no path to getting one. Not good enough to not one who's good enough to impact this, right? Who's good enough to change. And Beal's body language, by the way, did you see the screenshot of Yusef Nurkic during his post-game interview with Amanda Flugrad on Channel 3? Yeah, how's that body language Who's look? that standing behind Yusef Nurkic making a heart sign out of his two hands together, happy with the win? Oh, it's Bradley Beal. He must be so pissed off. His body Body language is awful right there. It's a stupid take. He's hanging out behind Yusef Norkis, and he's so pissed that they won that game, and he didn't really have that much to do, that he's holding up a heart emoji thing with his hand. Any game, you could could find star players players in this league that are are pacing themselves and taking a player too off. The other thing I'll say, you know what surprised me most about that take? Hmm. Alfred Payton's got a podcast? (laughs) Dude. Dude, 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 you're Alfred Payton. Like, how do you have a podcast? Mitch? Point of clarification, Theo Pinson has a podcast. Alfred Payton was a guest on. Alfred Payton was a guest oh, okay. on the podcast. Who's Theo Pinson? Kellen pointed it out to me. I thought it was a really good bite. Okay. I don't I don't know who Theo Pinson no, is. No, I thought I, that I, I thought for, that Alfred Payton had a had a I'm sure Lauren knows where Theo went to college, right? Theo no, Pinson. She doesn't. Oh, never mind. Sorry about that, Lauren. American professional basketball player for the Texas Legends of the G League. And he's got a podcast. Yeah. He's got a well, podcast. He, he was in the. He was in the NBA for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to UNC. Kimbo. Man, anybody can have a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Everybody. Theo Theo P- have a podcast. We, we Theo Pinson has a podcast. <laughs> Go to ArizonaSports.com and download the Burns and Gambo Show in podcast form. You can listen to us whenever, however, whatever you want. Listen to us like your favorite podcast. You, yeah, we. Theo every, Pinson played in 107, 27 basketball games. He started one, and he averaged 2.7 points per game, and he's got a podcast. Yep. Who knew? When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we talked about it earlier. Today is the 15-year anniversary of the Arizona Cardinals losing in the Super Bowl. It was 15 years ago today. Cutting the highlights made Lauren so upset she was angry at a desk. She was very, very angry. Okay, so let's all get together and let's open up the phone lines at 602-260-9870. 602-260-9870. Open phones here on Burns and Gambo. Let's talk about that day. 
Let's talk about 15 years since that day. Let's talk about what you remember and what stands out and what you think about when you think about and that I want to know if you're a Cardinal fan, if you're able to go back and rewatch that game. That too. I want to know that. 602-260-9870. Radiotherapy for a day we'd all like to forget 15 years ago today is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Open phones. Hello? 602 Call it radiotherapy. I didn't realize today was the anniversary of it until I read a story on theathletic.com, kind of an oral history of James Harrison's 99-yard pick six in the Super Bowl. And then they explained on the website the reason why we're running this today is because of the 15-year anniversary. 15 years ago today. And I thought, oh, my God, has it been 15 years? You and Rob Moore sitting right here getting ready to <laughs> do, do the, the post-game show. Post, 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 mm. post-game show. I think there were like 80 people who went on before us, and then we finally kind of cleaned up the mess at the Sounds very Sounds like end. it made a sturdy fence, though, with all those <laughs> Post. Sure did. Yeah, it did. Exactly. We thought it'd be a good idea to canvas the phone lines on this one because we've been doing that a lot more here on Burns and Gambo and we're loving it. I just provide a little therapy, a little relief. Gambo wants to know if you've watched it. Can you? Know, you can, can you, you watch Would it? you allow yourself to even watch it? Again, the at highlights this point? of it, yeah. Uh, 15 years ago today, they lose in the Super Bowl. Let's start with Jeff and Phoenix, who's first up here on the Burns and Gambo show. Welcome, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good, good Jeff. Hey, yeah, I mean, that Super Bowl moment was heartbreaking, especially as a Cardinals fan. So, could never go back and rewatch it. Highlights come on, I just change the channel. It, it, it just, I, it shouldn't have happened. Unfortunately, it did. What's the first thing you think of when you think of the game? Very first thing that pops in your mind? Uh, Antonio Holmes. Okay. Only had one foot in. <laughs> Question mark? Cheaters. I don't know. Maybe that's just bias, right? That's yeah. You bias. wanted him to only have one I, foot in. I, you needed him to only have one foot I in. I swear to God, the Centennial Holmes thing 15 years later, it's like the Zapruder film. I got an angle that shows one toe up. I got another sh- angle that shows they're both down. I mean, you know, it's like, really, it's like back and to the left, back and to the left. I, I, Take your angle. Take your pick. Here's a photo that makes it look like he's in. Here's a photo that makes it look like he's not. Tom in Phoenix is next up here on the Burns and Gambo show. I'd say happy anniversary, Tom, but there's nothing happy about it unless you're a Steelers fan. So how do you uh, how do you commiserate on a day like today? Well, I'm definitely not a Steelers fan. I'm a long, long time uh, uh, listener. And, and actually, it takes me back to the entire playoff run that the Cardinals made. As a matter of fact, I remember the Friday night before the, the, the they played Carolina. Oh, here it comes. And I, here it comes. And, and, here it and, comes. And you, here it comes. You yep. basically yep. had, you know, you wanted callers to call and give a prediction. Oh, my God. Is this the so crow call, eating crow? Right? Yes. So, so I called. Oh, no, no, no. We didn't hang- okay. or Go ahead. No, go ahead. You were, you were cutting out for a second. I didn't want anyone to think we hung up on you because we didn't. Please uh, finish right. your thought. So I my prediction was that Cardinals were going to beat Carolina, and not only were they going to beat Carolina, but uh, the uh, uh, the Eagles were going to beat the Vikings, and then they were going to meet in Arizona for the NFC Championship game, in which I said the Cardinals were going to beat the Eagles and make it to the Super Bowl, and you about died. <laughs> And you vowed to uh, wear a straight jacket if that happened for the show following uh, that particular game, which 
We don't really know if you did or not since there was no video internet evidence of I'm assuming you did because you said you did. But, you know, when I look back at that Super Bowl, that's the memory I have. And and also I I have fond memories. I mean, it's better to get to the Super Bowl than never to get to the Super Bowl. And, and, you know, the Cardinals will hopefully get to the Super Bowl and win it with uh, Kyler. That's a a great way to look at it, right? Better to have been there and and lost than never have been there at all. But 50% of the people out there just... I can't can't do that. it sucks to I, it sucks to remember the loss. It I, sucks to be so and and Bernsey brings this up all the time. I mean, if somebody would have told you then, hey, fifteen years later, the Cardinals aren't going to get back. That's why they're so precious. These moments are so precious. And if you don't take advantage of it, you just never know if you're ever going to get back there again. Right, so, quick story about what Tom was talking about. Uh, yes, I was very almost angry with people. It was the Thursday before the Super Bowl. I was almost angry with people suggesting the Cardinals were going to beat Carolina. I was so sure they were going to lose. Yes, I did wear a straight jacket that Monday. I ran rented one from a local costume store and I did the first hour of my nighttime show wearing a straight jacket. <laughs> Ron Wolfley called me and said, David Charles, do you still have the straight jacket? And I said, yeah, I've always wanted to try one on. Could you leave it for me? I'd like to try it on the next day. Swear to God. Swear to God, he wanted to see what it was like to be in a straight jacket. So I left it Why? for him. I have no idea. I Why? don't know. I don't know. But oh my God, it took so said much. Said no one ever. Can I try on the straight jacket? I want to see what it's like. I was going to re- said no one ever. I was going to return it to the costume store that I rented it from. <sighs> and Wolf wanted me to leave it for him. Jared is in surprise. He's next up here on Burns and Gamble. Hi, Jared. What's up, fellas? Hey, Jared. Hey, uh, two two things that I think about when I um, when I uh, watch the game or I think about the game. First thing is. Uh, Fitzgerald scoring that touchdown with two minutes and change left in the game. Right. The thing that I always remember about it is Fitz was never known as a burner. He was never the fastest guy. But when he catches that ball and the guy defending him falls down, you see him pull away from everybody. It's a, it's incredible to watch how how it's not, no one's not even close to catching him. And then they show the end zone uh, angle of him watching himself run into the end zone. That was, right. It gives you goosebumps when you watch it. And uh, and then just the second thing is I, I still can't believe uh, Harrison took that interception back all the way uh, to score before the half. Like, when I watched it happen, I was didn't think it was a big deal. Like, oh, that sucks, but we're going to go into halftime. And he just keeps going and going, and I still can't believe no one tripped him, no one pushed him out of bounds, no one on, no one on our sideline tripped him, and... I, I still can't believe he scored. That's that's what I think about. Yeah, I mean, the, the half would have ended, right? The half would have ended. And if he just gets tackled, even at the one-yard line, the half would have ended. Um but he was able to rumble all the hundred yards for the for the score. Now everybody in the building knew that Kurt Warner was going to throw the football in that situation. I think he was looking for Bolden. Anquan Bolden. Yeah, um, and so everybody knew because there wasn't enough time left. If you get a sack or you get tackled, the half's going to end. So you knew he was going to throw the football, and Harrison just jumped around and took it back. This was fun. We might we might even have to do this a little bit later because this was Let's a lot of fun. Yeah, this, I think we might I think we might do this again later in the show because there were just too many good calls there. Uh, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the boss. Bosnian beast proved to be just that last night. And now we'll get the opportunity to welcome Yusuf Nurkic back to the Burns and Gambo show. The Suns big man will join us next on Burns and Gambo. Home of the Suns. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court, you hear it straight from a Suns player with Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing, Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair, that's americaroofingco.com. It is our weekly visit with a Suns player coming off the court here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And this week we are very fortunate and very happy to have joining us on the phone line, I believe from Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, 28 points, 13 in the second quarter, 11 rebounds, 6 assists last night. Yusef Nurkic joining us here for the second time this season on the Burns and Gambo Show. Nurk, good to have you back. I'm Dave. This is Gambo. We appreciate your time, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. I just landed to Atlanta, so we're ready. Yeah, well, congratulations on a great game last night. I want to talk about that. But first, I want to get your thoughts because not only was it Kevin Durant's return to Brooklyn, it was also Damian Lillard's return to Portland. You know him very well. You played there. Just give me your thoughts on what Damian Lillard meant to that town, that city, uh, and the Portland Trailblazer fan base. I mean, it's insane, I think. Personally, you know, arguably, there's no man out there who knows basketball that don't think that their brother is um greatest player of Blazers history. Like, in a young generation, going to always remember Dane, you know, old generation. You know, I've been there for so many seasons. I never see Clyde there present, uh, even when Dane was, you know, First in the in the franchise points, you know, didn't see Clyde there. You and I believe Clyde is a great man. To me, just doesn't mean much um, as Dame, like the present wise for the city, for the fans. He, um, yeah, I think just a special player. How much mean to me? If I didn't play, I'd probably be there at the game. Right. Yeah, you would have been there. So wow, that's interesting. He said that he could see himself finishing his career in Portland. Would you be surprised if he ever puts on a Portland uniform again at some point in his career? Not at all, man. I think that's um, so realistic and, and so possible. You know, obviously you got to be, you know, welcome with the, with the organization. But I think at the end of the day, you know, that's just the common sense. And, and you should... You know, do that regardless what people think. But I think he's going to finish career there for sure. Yeah, you said I can almost bet on that. <laughs> you can almost bet on that. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. My apologies on that one. Um, you got to play no a little. Worries. You got to play a little bully ball last night against the Brooklyn Nets. You got to really uh, show off that physicality, and and I, I I got to imagine you enjoyed that, didn't you? Yeah, man. Sometimes you know you play different roles and. Certain centers, some of people, you know, taking advantage of that, talking some <laughs> smack, but then all of a sudden they're not in the court and they try to play small ball. So it was, it was good for me. Feeling back, the coaches and teammates believe in me. So it was, it was good to have the game and actually win and just continue the winning, uh, you know, as our big three getting more comfortable. Yeah, and as, as part of the big three getting more comfortable, I want to ask you about something that's just getting more and more obvious with every game that we watch, and that seems to be your level of comfort in passing and distributing the ball and setting the big three up, and in particular, this really nice two-man game that you have working with KD right now. We saw it against the Bulls. We saw it again last night. Do you feel like you have kind of a unique connection with him on the the court to play this two-man game together definitely i think the understanding the you know who i am as a person i think i understand the best so far 
um, as a player. So knowing the, the, the whatever he do, I'm looking for him out there and any player. But um, just how great it is, it's not really that hard. But also understanding my role is not going to be like last night every game. And, you know, looking at, you know, my teammate didn't want, you know, or coaches didn't want me to shoot threes and just we need to be better on the roles. And so I was like, I'm all in on this. And, you know, sometimes and most of the time if you don't like your role and you try to play something that people don't want you to play. And, you know, I just want to compliment these people and players and, and be the best teammates I can. And that's why I'm really a good person. So I'm trying to do the best um, and, and my role to be a star. So whatever it takes to win the game, and I'm trying to do. You know, your ability to handle the ball, to make the right pass, the way you see the court. I, I, you know, you, we see a lot of European big men come into this game in the NBA, and a little bit different than some of the American big men, but just the ability to almost be like a point guard. At, at, how much of an advantage of it is that for you to be able to handle the ball, and is that something that comes from your upbringing in the game? Look, the funniest part, I was never dreaming about a basketball player or athlete, so <laughs> that was a God gift. But um, to me, like, you know, I'm just happy when, when we can um, make it both us happy. Any player who made the season feels like um, two players happy. When you score, it's just, I guess, one player happy. So try to be <laughs> as, a, as a facilitator is, is, is a good feeling, and especially when you have a ball in your hands, kind of, you know, give you more confidence that teammates and coaches trust you. So if that happens more often, I'm just happy that I can do it. Yeah. The other thing that's impressive is just your recognition. I mean, you, you, you know, the previous guy that was here sometimes wouldn't really understand who was guarding him and then would retreat or pass the ball back out to the perimeter. You, you know, when Cam Johnson or Royce O'Neal or Mikael Bridges is guarding you, um, the, the recognition to understand who's guarding you and to be able to take it aggressively to the basket, that's something that's very noticeable in your game. And, and how important is that to you to just be able to get that ball and go up quickly when you've got a smaller player on you. I mean, that's basically, you know, how I kept in the league for so long, you know, like, I'm, you know, like I said, I post game, the coach <laughs> decided to bring the Portland Nurk passing the ball in the post. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you got to just punish these people when they try to go super small. And I'm glad the coach didn't take me out and, and stay in the game and coach, you know, he made it to me on that, but I know I can not 39, so it's not quite that, but just a plain. So, you know, when you take 10 or 15, 20 shots, you're going to have a great game. But at the same time, you know, I understand that we brought me here to not complain about touches and, and try to, you know, don't take away too much shots of that victory so they can have, you know, the best chance so we can have the best chance to win championships. Yeah, and, and that's Yusef Nurkic joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Last one for me, and I want to ask you about the way the team has played this last month and the way seemingly things have come together. Do you feel like you guys have gotten where you need to be or are there things still for you all to work on to make this an even better version of what you've, what you've put out there so far this last few weeks or so? I mean, we can always be better, no question. You know, um, but for us, it's like I said, you know, a few weeks ago, or you know, I personally, for us, want to be as healthy for postseason. So, if um, some games we're not perfect, we're okay with that. Like we, we try to be the best we possibly can. But if we, you know, lose some games here and there, it's not going to be the end of the world, and we're not going to 
you know, super, you know, high or so or so low on, on wins and losses. So we understand that what our goal is, and you know, we try to be, you know, the healthiest as possible for postseason, and, and that's personally my goal uh, for myself and for the team. So, you know, health is the most important thing with this team, and everybody knows that. So, yes, Yusuf, last one for me. When you look at where you guys were on Christmas Day, and you lost to Dallas, you guys were rock bottom at that point, um, really struggling, and you guys have played terrific basketball ever since. What's the biggest reason for the turnaround in your in your opinion? I mean, healthy, right? You know, I was not in a Christmas game here at the funeral, you know, for my family. So I think the most, you know, turnaround is that being healthy, being, being together, playing the games, you know, practices, uh, just being around each other more. I think the trust is there. Uh, the talent wise, you know, never, no one was questioning that. It's just how much it's going to take us, how many games it's going to take us to get together. So I think every game, no matter win or lose, I think we are closer to that trust. Yusef, we appreciate the time. I know, especially since you're in the middle of traveling and everything. Best of luck tomorrow against Atlanta. Best of luck to close out the trip against Washington. We look forward to talking to you when you get back. Okay, safe travels. Appreciate you guys. You got it. Thank you. Yusef Nurkic joining us here on the Arizona Sportsline Suns and the Atlanta Hawks tomorrow. Three and two so far on this road trip. Join Arizona star outfielder Corbin Carroll. It's his inaugural baseball pro camp on February 17th at Mountain Point High School. Boys and girls in grades one through eight can join Corbin for baseball skills, drills, and fun. Visit CorbinCarrollCamp.com for information and registration or enter to win a spot at the camp by going to ArizonaSports.com slash contest. Nurkic. A big part of last night's win. He was not the only big part of the Suns' win. Lots of different players contributed as well, and we'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. ASU men's basketball versus Stanford. Pre-game at 6.30 tonight on Arizona Sports 98.7 and the Arizona Sports app. All right, quick update on tomorrow's Suns game since we just had Yusuf Nurkic on. Then we're going to talk about last night and some of the role players and how they played Nurkic and, and Josh Kogi and others. Uh, Grayson Allen, for what it's worth, is not listed at all on the Suns' injury report for tomorrow against Atlanta. Yeah, I gave him that one extra day yesterday to get him right. Good. Yep. So presumably he should be good to go. Uh, Gambo is going to be thrilled with this news. Bowl Bowl is probable there for we tomorrow's go. game. Let's get him out there. Yep, so Bowl Bowl is probable. Bradley Beal Bowl Bowl is available. And Grayson Allen Grayson Allen is not listed on the Suns in Health. Reports. I mean, how many times did Nurkic mention health? I mean, the key to this team is health. Yeah. You know, they stay healthy. They got a shot. They got a shot if they stay healthy. They do. Yes. You they, know, they, I look at this team right now. I'm like, they got a shot. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but there might be a few teams that you might say, okay, those teams are better than them, but they've got, they've got, a, they've got themselves a realistic chance. It is all starting to come together. It took a lot longer than any of us thought. And you think, I'm like, today's February 1st. You think about where we were with this team on January 1st. Man, so much has changed in the month. And again, congratulations to Devin Booker today, named Western Conference Player of the Month. Not of the week. He got that earlier, uh, but of the month. And we're expecting him to be. We don't know for sure, but they're going to announce the All-Star Reserves, and he better be on that list. In the meantime, we can sit here and talk about the big three all we want. We can we can talk about their contributions and how well they played and how great Kevin Durant was. 
It was another good night last night for the role players and their contributions. We are, I think, starting to, to, it's really coming into focus now how much better things are when you get contributions like that from an Eric Gordon or from a Josh Kogi or from a Drew Eubanks as he did the other night. When the role players contribute, if we want to put... Kevin, or uh, if we want to put Yusef Nurkic in that category, we can. I, you can. You know, I think you can. is he a role player? He's not a big three, he's, but is he a role player? Yeah, I don't know. He's a, he's a role player okay. for them. I mean, okay. I think in some ways, I mean, starters could be role players. Not every starter has to be a, a key cog in everything. He's important to them. He's, you know, because he plays a lot of minutes for the most part. But I consider him one of the guys okay. that okay. plays an important role for not, them. Yeah. I don't think role is like, like there's a difference between playing an important role and being a bench player. If we're saying, hey, the bench came through, well, that's... And that doesn't include him. But if you're saying role players, then that's everybody to me that's not. Grayson Allen is a role player. That's everybody that's okay. not Beal, Booker, and Durant. I wasn't judging. I was just asking. Because yeah. I, I, I know that a guy like Nurkic and Grayson Allen, they're certainly not the stars of the team. But I, I don't know. It feels like they've graduated to a level above role player. Either way, the role players, whether it was Nurkic, whether it was Eric Gordon, who I thought was terrific in that fourth quarter last night. In fact, I think in some ways Eric Gordon was the difference last night in the fourth quarter for his ability to shoot. making sure that they didn't even make, you know, make yes. even bigger comeback. Yeah, In making those big shots. And then, and hello, guy, there hello is. Josh Okogie. Josh Okogie. Hello. Mm-hmm. Just, just in time for a trade deadline. Look who starts playing like a guy who's like, oh yeah, you don't need anybody. We're fine. 11 points on four of six shooting. He was one of three from deep. He had seven rebounds. One assist, one steal. Plays really, really hard. The bench had 24 points, but here's what I like about the bench. They took 13 shots. They made 10. Very efficient, Bernsey. Very efficient. 10 out of 13. Now, you didn't get a lot of shots because Vogel didn't clear the bench until there was one minute and 20 seconds left. The recurring theme, they just can't figure out a way to get the bench in early in a lot of these games because they're too close. But with 1.20 left, he cleared the bench. And at that point, you're just not really taking any shots. You're holding the ball and just trying to get out of there. But Akogi continues to make a case for being one of the rotation guys that you need to count on in the playoffs. Yes. And if he starts hitting shots and knocking down shots, it's going to be just more evidence to the organization that you've got a guy that you can count on. He's not there yet, but he's showing it more and more each game. Yeah, it was a real and we've kind of fluctuated with this. It's been, it was last night, it was a real refinement of the minutes. And I know you didn't have Grayson Allen, so that changes things a little bit. But off the bench, it was Drew Eubanks with 18, it was Kata Bates-Diop with 19, it was Josh Okogie with 26. Nobody else got more than one. I mean, it was just very much a, here's my guys, here's our like, like. okay, again, with Grayson Allen, it changes things. We'll see with Bull Bull if that changes things. I don't know how that does. But certainly if last night's game were a playoff game, there's your eight. There's your eight right there. And Grayson Allen, he's going to be one of the eight, so it kicks somebody out. But that was your eight. And the Akogi thing, you know, that fascinates me. It really does. Because, because, it's, he, because he's you know you can't count on him to make shots every single night. You can't. No, but you know what you can do. You can if if he plays close to this level, where he's not a liability offensively, a complete liability. 
she takes out a lot of the players that you may be looking at. You might say, look, the guy, the guy we have is better because of what he brings to the table defensively and his aggressiveness and his steals and his on-the-ball defense. There's a lot to like about his defensive game. You just don't want him to be a liability offensively. But you could make the argument that he might give you more than K.J. Martin and Jay Sean Tate oh, and maybe yes. even Royce O'Neal and yes. some of these guys you're talking about. If he just hits enough shots to not be a complete liability, then a lot of the guys that have been discussed, you might look at them and say, okay, I don't know that that guy's better than what we have. I know it was like an apples-to-apples comparison. I'll be honest with you. I was supposed to pay attention to Royce O'Neal last night. I barely noticed. nothing. I barely noticed the dude out there. I I, I saw him like halfway through the third quarter, whenever it was. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to be paying attention to Royce O'Neal tonight (laughs) to see how he played because the Suns might get him at the trade deadline. I didn't know the dude was out there. He made one shot. He got, like, he, oh, he got a lot hey, of fouls. He yeah. got five fouls. Yeah. He was a minus 13. He made one basket. It was from three. And that was it. I mean, he didn't give them anything. Now, listen, the other thing, and I, and I didn't get a chance to say this, but I don't want to trade all of my second round picks for a guy that's not going to be. It better be for somebody you really need or else go to the buyout market because some of these second round picks are in the future. Mm-hmm. Who's to say you're not better off holding on to them for next year? For the trade you need to make next year yes. at the deadline. For yes. the trade you need to make in the offseason. Absolutely. I, I I agree. And with the. I, I feel like a broken record. I'll keep saying it, and just in case, it's the buyout market. It's coming in the buyout market. That's who it's going to be. It's I'm I'm almost I'm almost absolutely 100 percent convinced that the addition the Phoenix Suns make will come through the buyout market because one, I think the point you just made is a very good one. You you don't want to you kind of need to save those second round picks for maybe another trade you want to make in the future. And number two, even if he's not making shots. If Josh Okogi continues to play with that, and he always has, but if he continues to play with that kind of level of energy and effort and game-changing hustle out there, you can live with the occasional missed shot every now and then because he does bring an awful lot to the table. And I don't know if you're going to find better than that on the trade market when you have as little as the, the Suns do to give up. Been, a lot of the guys that you're mentioning are just... Jay Sean Tate. I mean, they're not that, like, they're not that good. Chris O'Neal. Chris O'Neal's yeah, okay. He's okay. He's okay. KJ Martin. He's okay. And he's like, if Josh, you know, Josh just can't be 0 for 4 three games in a row where there's just no threat to knock down a shot. He's got to be a little bit better than that. Yeah, it's not, it's not even like he has to make every shot he takes. One, he has to be willing to take them. If the if the offense sets you up for an open three, you have to take it. Yes. You can't be afraid to take it. That's number one. And sometimes I've seen in the past he's been hesitant to take it. And number two, he doesn't have to make all of them, but you have to make enough enough every now and then to keep everybody honest. You know, to keep them somewhat on you and make them recognize you as a threat. It's it's hard not the to. The truth like is, Josh they're Kogi. not. The, the truth is, because the Suns have such high-powered offensive players in Durant and Booker, and to some extent, Beal, teams are always going to double and trap them and leave Okogi. I don't care if Okogi shoots five for five for the next two weeks. They're yeah. still going to leave him open because that's, you got to pick your poison. Uh, once again, we have a tremendous opportunity in terms of a giveaway here at Arizona Sports. We've teamed up with Bud Light to offer you the opportunity to be a part of the 2024 NFL Draft in Detroit to witness the Cardinals take the number fourth pick. 
text the word draft to 62620. Then listen all next week in the morning at 820 and middays at 1220 and with us at 420. If you hear your name, seize the moment. Call in, qualify for this extraordinary chance to go to the draft. Text the word draft to 62620. Don't miss out. Arizona Sports Destination Detroit's and is brought to you by Bud Light. Time to hit the reset button. When we come back, it's 4 o'clock. Let's get you caught up on what's going on in sports here on the Burns and Gambo Show.